Welcome back to another Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Kiwi. Today's podcast is an interview with Thomas from Wolfheart. Wolfheart's new album, Wolves of Corellia, comes out on Napalm Records April 10th. Check it out. And the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast welcomes in Thomas from Wolfheart. How are you doing, sir? I am alive. <laughs> Let's leave it there. Although everything else seems to be a little bit blur and... Uh, like science fiction movie situation, but uh, I'm good. Of course, and and hopefully, uh, everybody with the band and all of your families are well, safe, and happy as can be under the circumstances. So far as can be, yeah. Thank thank goodness. Um, yeah, it's crazy here. I'm in New York City, and uh, we're about to become the the biggest place in the world for this coronavirus. So it's a little scary, but I'm good myself. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but we we are here to talk about one good thing, which is music, and really excited about this new incredible Wolfheart album, Wolves of Corellia, coming soon. Um, April 10th, amazing record. Um, so many things to unpack. This the, the the Masters for Winter Metal are back. And uh, I really want to get into the concept of this album because I, I think in general you guys are brilliant and the albums you make are excellent. But this this record for me is probably going to top them all, uh, which is a tall order. You guys, you know, have a long, long career. Well, that, that's, that's really cool to hear because, of course, naturally as a, as a songwriter, you always try to top the previous one, but uh, but this uh, it works differently when you are the songwriter and analyzing your own music. It's uh, there's ne never guaranteed how the other people are gonna hear and uh, receive the music. So it's uh, and the feedback so far has been has been really good. So <laughs> at the same time, uh, very confused of what's happening around the release. Never been never been releasing an album with no gigs inside at all. Right, certainly, and not not only is that a big financial problem for you guys and every band in the world right now going through the same thing, but just in general, like you said, always a, uh, an air of excitement. You plan a release at a certain time of the year, festivals, tours. Uh, as we talked before we started recording, you guys were to come here to America, you'd be here ready, uh, I think, by now, or almost here, and uh, we were very excited for this tour. So I know it's got to be very disappointing, uh, but the album is great, at least. Yeah, it is disappointing, but then again, since the, the whole world is having this situation, it kind of keeps the whole puts the whole things in different perspective. So it's not just the not just our tour that got cancelled; it was all the tours in the world. So it's a it's a little bit different different thing now. And uh, at least now we still have a lot of promo work for the album, so it didn't completely create this void around the release. So there's still a lot, lot of things to be done for the album, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, very disappointing to get the news. But I was monitoring the whole situation in the world really carefully, and I, I have to admit I wasn't surprised at all when the tour got cancelled because things started to look really really rough all over the world, and it would have been kind of like a miracle to be able to pull that off. Right, and there are some bands who are trapped in other countries right now and can't get home to be with their families. So at least you didn't get stuck here. I would, I would definitely rather be, you know, with you guys in in, in Finland than be here in America, especially if you want to be with your families during a time of crisis, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, actually, they 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 banned in Finland to, to like they they want to like ban people gathering more than two people at the same time, and you shouldn't. 
visit any of the elder people, which means in my case, my parents even. So only thing I get to do is call my, my family members at the moment. But uh, yeah, for the damage control and everything, it was so much easier that we didn't get to fly out from Finland. We got to start fixing what can be fixed immediately and stay at home, not to start figuring how to even get home. So just one week later, it would have been a completely different scenario for us. Right, of course. And uh, and on the other plus side, as far as I can tell so far, at least here in America, we're still getting mail. I've been getting records in the mail this week, so I'm really happy about something to do with my time beside write and interview bands, listen to music and get new music. So hopefully people are getting their pre-orders and their bundles and their vinyls. And obviously when the album comes out on April 10th, people can you know then buy it and stream it digitally and things like that. Um, so hopefully it doesn't hurt you guys too bad because there has been a, this big buildup to the album. So at least that's a relief, at least for me, I'm sure it is for you too. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, what I've heard now lately that a lot of big labels are starting to also move the uh, the releases from the spring to the next fall. And we were also like, uh, at least our management brought that up. That'd be an option. But again, we already did so much of the promo work for the album. We had the videos out. It, I think that would have hurt the band even more just to move the release when the promo is already ongoing and if now a lot of the labels are pushing releases to the fall, that means there's going to be huge oral flow of new albums coming, which is not very ideal situation for a band in our size still growing. So I think this in, in these circumstances, it's, it's a still a really good thing to get the album out now. I agree. And I'm again, I'm really happy it's still coming. And let's talk about this album because it's very powerful. And, uh, and everything about it, the name, the artwork is really, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, I would say it, it's it's definitely uh, striking and uh, just like the music. So I wanted to talk about maybe the concept of the album and because uh, there seems to be like a through line, right? A, a concept through the whole thing, a theme. Okay, well, there is a there is very continuous theme on the album the whole album and uh, all the lyrics are based on a on the winter war that was fought uh, between finland and russia uh, during the second world war and it was very short time uh, during that whole war it, it took like four months in winter 1939 and 1940 but it was very defining few months for the finnish independence and uh and very inspiring as a, as a finnish and also the name of uh, the album uh, Wolves of Karelia is uh, Karelia's region in Finland uh, where I was born and my father's family line is from and uh, my father's family line's uh, home farm is only seven kilometers from the border and uh, Karelian region was also the area where we lost most land to the Russian when the new border was drawn a lot of battle took place so there's very strong historical connection and also like personal, like family history, goes into that area. So it is. It was. Uh, it was quite a personal theme, despite the fact that I was never part of the war itself. But uh, but yeah, it's, it was very inspiring to dig into the history of my home area, uh, the history of Finnish wars, and also a little bit of history of my family connected with all of that. 
I think when a lot of people think of Finland, uh, you know, it's obviously, you know, uh, sort of the cradle of uh, civilization in that part of the world there. But also, like, it's a very, uh, you know, always a very scrappy country. A lot of great art comes from that country, you know, from your home. So, like, it, it kind of makes sense that Finland, you know, rightly defended themselves and kicked this giant Russian army's ass. It's hard to put into, like, people don't really understand how outnumbered they were, like, 10 to 1, you know, like I, I did a little look looking up the the story of the Winter War myself, and it's it's kind of amazing actually at how they battle back. I think you know maybe the terrain, knowing the terrain and the elements helped them, but you know that I mean it's still pretty incredible how they survived. Yeah, definitely the the being familiar with the elements and uh and kind of like a well, Finland didn't have like a professional army. We do have an army that we attend in a certain age, but. Not nothing compared to Russians. Russia has a insanely long history of being like this uh, great war country, conquering other worlds, and uh, and Finland has none. We don't have any. We didn't have any kind of that kind of background or mentality in the army. But um, at that time, especially on on those border regions, every when when you were a kid and you go, when you went to school, you probably went with the skis for twenty kilometers in one direction. And a lot of like uh, traveling was done by foot or with skis or stuff like that. So the the circumstances were not that new for the Finnish warriors. And uh, it was very brutal situation for the, the Russian army, even though they had a huge armory. We had 32 tanks. They had a uh, 3000. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. Like one to hundred. We had 114 planes. They had 4000. But it's, with, with those conditions, when you're attacking a country where there is no motorway, where you're going to drive those tanks, and uh, you don't know the terrain, and the, 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 your enemy is uh, knows to, how to move in the, in the nature and, and can endure this super cold in, environment, you're going to probably be in trouble. So there was a lot of bad planning also from the, from the Russian military leaders. But... Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it was it was very remarkable. Even if you look at the whole uh, war history in general, to be able to de- de- not defeat but stop that size of an army, and then like this, this was actually a story that was told yesterday to me by this uh, reporter from Texas, which was really cool. That he's a, a historian and an historian and been digging to Finnish war history. Apparently, even more than I did, because I knew that I was very familiar that we didn't have any proper anti-tank uh, weapons, uh, and there was a lot of tanks to stop. Naturally, with their three thousand tanks, and uh, they got really creative uh, in the Finnish troops. And something, one thing that they did many times is uh, they didn't have any like uh, proper like uh, landmines or bazookas and stuff like that. So if you want to stop a tank. You, you need to make it like uh, it's not mobile. I don't know the words because I don't drive a tank and I wasn't <laughs> in the war. But uh, you need to stop the tank moving. Otherwise, not gonna, that's just going to roll over you. So they used logs to jam the, I don't know the word again. It's not a wheel, but the thing that goes around and makes it move. The, like the treads, right. the tires, yeah. Yeah. So they, they, used, they actually, they had to sneak on the side of the tank and uh, use wooden logs to stop the tank. And how 
like if you imagine that situation, you see a Russian tanks coming, you only have light armory that not never gonna pierce the armor of the of the of the tank, and you just know that has to be stopped. We're gonna be fucked, and you just grab the biggest piece of wood you can find nearby and start walking towards the tank. Like, where do you dig out that will of power and mentality? Like, I don't think our generation will. Like, if they were the wolves of Karelia, our generation is going to be the teddy bears of Finland. <laughs> oh, oh, I hear you. Same here. We're, we're struggling against this virus. Uh, you know, I can't imagine how we would do against a world war conflict. And hopefully we'll never see one again in our life. But um, <laughs> uh, you guys did a great job. I really love the new video, Hail of Steel, which uh, tells a little bit of this story. Uh, first of all, you're not going to see a more metal video this year than like just flames and the band and axes holy shit <laughs> so let's talk about making that video uh it kind of looks like you guys were going to catch on fire was it really hot out there it, it was really really hot it, it got actually a little bit complicated this time um i i really love to use real fire in the, in the music videos instead of those uh, professional like stage pyros they, those are a lot easier to control you can program them time them but to my eyes, they look too industrial when it comes to a music video. The fire should be a chaotic element. But when you are standing in the middle of the fire, you easily get the, connected with the chaotic stuff a little bit too much. So it, it was it was really hot and the, we had a little bit too much of a wind. So nothing got burned. Nobody got burned. But... Uh, it started to be complicated. Like uh, when you look at the video, you you see the guy playing there. But if you would see the footage that I had, it's just somebody playing 15 seconds and then just trying to uh, escape the flames for a while, running back in the middle of the fire, playing 15 seconds again. So it's um, the, uh, the fire really uh, gave a challenge. But I think that's the whole nature of the element. It, that's that's how it should go. Right on. Uh, you suffered for your art for sure. It looks amazing. Yeah, that, uh, we did learn something from the previous video that we did with fire. It was a uh, breakwater, and uh, during that video, should we managed to melt partly six Marshall cabinets and all the all the plastic parts of our drummers' uh, drum rack and drum kits. So okay. at least we learned not to destroy any instruments and stuff. For this one. Holy hell. Wow. Uh, and then the video does have uh, sort of a little bit of a story as well that, you know, I guess reflects the album and the song. You know, there's kind of a, a personal war conflict, but also a personal struggle. You can see in the, it's re really beautifully directed and done. Um, all jokes aside about the fire, the video is incredible. Uh, and I hope everybody checks it out. We'll link to it here in the podcast uh, post. But uh, yeah, it's an, it's an amazing clip. Yeah, it, it was really, really fun to do it. We got a lot of support from the from the biggest uh, army supply company in Finland. They have a huge shop and uh, they really provided really cool looking gear. I, I was just, uh, I, I had a like different type of a crisis when making the video. When, when if, if you are any kind of like a visually active or talented person and you start thinking about the war scene, you immediately start seeing hundreds of people and huge battle. You think about movies like 300 or or Braveheart, and then you look at the budget, <laughs> which is 
nothing like Braveheart probably had or the, the movie 300. So you need to do a lot of compromises. But still the biggest compromise I actually had was uh, uh, this happened to be the warmest winter in, in, in southern Finland in 50 years. So we didn't have any snow during the whole winter. So I, I didn't get to do a winter war scene that I was hoping. Now it's just a war scene. And I, I had in my mind a lot of cool scenes with the snow and the blood. That would have been such a cool contrast uh, to compete with the fire and the darkness of the playing part. But since the nature decided differently and there was no snow at all, in these parts of Finland, it, it had to be just a kind of regular war scene. Hopefully there'll be another video down the road and you'll get a, a white winter in the winter this winter uh, or next, you know, January and you can make another video. But uh, definitely don't catch on fire or melt your gear. <laughs> um, just for a, just for the last question, Thomas, and you've been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing this stuff. Just the last question. I know you guys are doing a virtual concert to make up for your, uh, you know, record release being missed. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? I know it's probably not something a lot of bands are not used to it, but are suddenly adapting to, which I think is great. Yeah, it's, uh, we really wanted to come up with something, uh, something not just, of course, we wanted to provide uh, something for the band. We were really looking forward to the tour, to get to play people, and then tour got cancelled. So, of course, that was a huge void for us. And uh, we were really, since we were really looking forward to get to play the audience, this was the second best thing we thought we could actually do. At the same time, it, it does help with the financial hit that we took with the tour. It didn't happen since we paid the merchandise, we paid the visas, tax waivers, we, the backline flights, everything. But uh, we didn't just want to ask donations or start selling the tour merch. It's, uh, I think... We need to always provide something exclusive and special for the fans. And uh, this kind of like uh, combines both. But uh, we did the shooting already. I didn't want to do streaming like many bands are doing at the moment because uh, I wouldn't be able to control all the elements like the, the uh, proper interconnection in all the different parts of the world, time zones, cutting. It's just... I, I believe we're going to get better results when we kind of do this uh, multicam editing, like a DVD file, basically. You get a DVD of the gig without actually having the physical DVD. That's where we're aiming. And we did the, sh uh, the gig already. We did the shooting uh, last Monday. And I must say, as much as we love to do all this stuff for the fans, I really hope this is not going to be the new normal because uh, it was weird. It is weird to play in an empty venue. Of course, you do that for the audience and we would do a lot more. That's not the issue. But you you don't have any of the energy between the audience and the band. And that is the biggest reason for me to play live to begin with. So you were completely missing that energy. So that was, that was really weird. And I just hope this virus thing goes over soon. So all the bands can get to the normal old school in front of audience gigs and this would not be like a next new thing that everybody's doing. Strange times indeed, my friend, strange times. Uh, Thomas from Wolfheart, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Wolves of Corelli is the new album on the legendary 
legendary band and a legendary label, Napalm Records, April 10. Thank you so much for hanging out with Ghost Cult today. And and I hope we get all we all get through this and we get to come to America and we get to have a beer and laugh about this later. Yeah, I do hope to say that. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.